Hi, welcome to this Property Life podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Mark Winship. I'm a professional property developer, service accommodation expert and property coach. This week, I'm joined by Sarah Blaney for a chat all about hotels. But before I get on to that, I have a very special announcement to make. As most of you will be aware, we've been running a competition over the past week to celebrate the release of our 100th podcast episode. And now I'm very excited to announce the winner of that competition live here on the podcast. So the winner of our 100th podcast episode competition is James Milet. Congratulations, James. You have won two free tickets to our three-day intensive training program that needs to be used within the next six months. We'll be in contact with you to book in your place soon. The prize needs to be redeemed by the 5th of December. Otherwise, we'll have to offer it out to another candidate. But congratulations again, James. You've won a truly incredible prize and thank you to everybody that entered our competition left us such amazing reviews and thank you all for your ongoing support of the podcast it really does mean a lot okay so back to this week's episode in which we're talking all things hotels Sarah Blaney and I both own and operate hotels alongside our residential investment portfolios, and we have plenty of stories to tell about the ups and the downs of this exciting but challenging strategy. We operate different models in completely different parts of the country, but it's always interesting to catch up and share notes. And in this episode, we try to focus on the operational challenges of running a hotel remotely. But we also touch on what we love about playing real life Monopoly. Without any further ado, let's welcome Sarah back to the podcast and get started with some hotel chat. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm very good, thank you. Um, uh, We are here to talk hotels, hotel chat. Let's give that a go. Um, So, yeah, I mean... those listeners that are not aware, so both um, Sarah and myself um, own a hotel. Uh, Sarah's been doing it quite a bit longer than we have, but um, I thought it would be a useful opportunity to jump on and actually just, I guess, share our experiences really of the kind of operational aspects of of, of running a hotel and what, what that experience is like. Um, so I don't know where the best place to start is. I mean, I, I guess describing the opportunity first of all because we don't well we both follow a slightly different model don't we but we don't either of us run a hotel in the traditional sense I guess so maybe talk through yeah. your model of how you run and yeah so our model um I think it, it all starts as as often we say with with the avatar doesn't it really so it's what your your main guest wants because obviously you've got lots of different avatars within um, the hospitality trade but you've got a main one and you have to kind of cater to that so our um our hotel our, our guest house is based in a in a more of a tourism area um it did actually have quite a good uh, corporate avatar as well but over covid um the main aspect of that actually changed quite a lot so at the moment we are catered towards more of the tourism avatar so um to actually be quite hands-off in terms of guest relations when you have a tourist avatar is a little bit more different to a corporate avatar 
because they are you know hospitality is is a people business so yeah. you have to give that customer service so whilst i have a tourist um, avatar we're not there on site um, yeah. to meet or greet we don't have a reception um it's self-check-in it's very hands-off they might not see anybody from my organization for their stay yeah. however it's really personalized and it's the way that you bring that personalization in in a different way so ours is about communication pre um, check-in communication during uh, their stay and then afterwards as well so you know if you were to look at our reviews actually it's it's the owners are really friendly the the management team couldn't do enough for us yeah. and you'd never guess that there was no one on site um you know particularly to to do that for them because you can you can actually do that without being there and that's the that's one of the big revelations for me is having um a business that is really personalized but without an on-site present and when we talk about hands-off we're really hands-off right how long would it take you to get up to where your hotel is from where you live oh, so yeah i mean on a good day it would take four and three quarter hours yeah so you know if there is something happening up there that is of an urgent nature you're not I'm not going to get there. I'm not yeah. getting there for five hours. Um, say. We're a little closer, um, but still a good three hours. Still, still far enough to, to, to not really be part of the, yeah, the urgent response team, as it were. Um, yeah. And, and that's, of course, that's not to say that we don't have an urgent response team because yeah. obviously we do, but we just have the systems built in so that, yeah. that things aren't aren't always urgent, or what yeah. might appear urgent is actually dealt with in a in a very systemized way yeah and so uh, yeah our model's very similar um i think we've gone slightly more down the sort of self-catered facilities route so we've got uh, kitchens in all of the rooms actually um so more of the sort of a part hotel kind of style of things um and i would say although we will draw a little bit from a tourist trade i think our guest avatar is very much business corporate we're also very close to a university. We're, we're, we've got a strong trade from the university at the moment as well. So, again, it, that, that sort of influences how you set up your systems and even down to sort of how you actually lay out the apartments and the, the amenities that you provide, doesn't it? Um, but that's, yeah, that, that's a similar model on that sense. But I'm the same as you. The The, the, the challenge, if you like, of... Because that, that ticks a lot of boxes for us as investors, right? The fact that we can take um, what are often lifestyle businesses, so guest houses or small hotels that have been run by owners who live on site. We're able to convert the owner's accommodation because we're not going to be living there. We're going to be able to convert the ancillary space, kitchens, dining rooms, what have you, into more lettable units. That, that sort of ticks the commercial investor box because it adds value from a commercial point of view. But then you've got the challenge of, how do I still cater to what my guest avatar wants and needs without having that on-site presence? Yeah, and it's how do you stand out for them and get repeat business? Because yeah. I think that's, um, you know, that is one thing within hospitality, whether you're corporate or tourist avatar, repeat business will just give you peace of mind for the months ahead for the next mm. year it's something you can go back and rely on so you're always drumming up new business but to have that repeat is really important yeah. um, and you know I think that's that's one thing that we really focus on in our business and, uh, and also the book direct um, movement I guess it is 
Yeah. I mean, I personally think that, you know, Booking.com, Airbnb, all of the different channels, they've got their role and they're really important. And I have no issue paying their commission yeah. um, because they are advertising a lot. You know, they're doing our job for us. Um, but, you know, I was I do a management report every um, every month. Well, actually, I, I have a um, an outsourced person that does that for us. And, you know, looking at that, um, and, you know, it's we have we are over 50 percent book direct. Mm. which you know I'm pretty uh, proud of considering we've been open three and a half years now and two years of those we yeah. were closed down with COVID um yeah. you know so that that I think is a it's something you have to work on all the time isn't it that operational excellence and um, getting out there in front of your your, yeah. your guests and where are those customers coming from like how much of that is um like genuine like direct sales activity and how much of that is um guests converted through the guest experience that you've, you've created so maybe they booked initially through an airbnb or what have you and that they you turn them into direct bookers and repeat customers do you know what it's actually swayed uh, the other way so it is um they are first off they are to book direct um, rather than the conversions and yeah. then a lot of that is then repeat business um, so yeah that that works really well and I yeah. think obviously you can have um, items that skew that so we've got a, a number of corporate guests um, contractors that stay yeah. with us midweek so they are there week in week out yeah. now I got them personally and actually I got them when I was down the pub um, <laughs> and um, you know got chatting to people because that's what this business is all about isn't it yeah. talk to people um, so we know I got one guy through that then he recommended someone else he recommended someone else etc etc so yeah a, a little bit of my stats might be skewed by uh, people like that where um, you know there's continual stays uh, but you know I, I still think um, that we get an awful lot direct it might be that we obviously were on the television um so we've got a a good um hit rate on on the internet um in terms of you know people searching for us uh, and and coming up high in the the rankings as well and i think i've noticed actually that there is although as far as i'm concerned as far as our operations concerned the apart hotel that we've got down on the south coast is essentially a block of 17 service departments i mean it's it's no real difference but but people's guest attitudes to it are definitely different there's 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 something different about them booking a hotel and what they expect and that's created some challenges because their expectations of the service they expect that to be potentially a little bit more hands-on than we're used to delivering um because they maybe think they're checking into a hotel and where do i put my luggage and you know all of that sort of thing which has created a few challenges for us looking 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 back but equally i think word of mouth marketing seems to play much more of a factor in our hotel than maybe it does with our service departments and you know very we've had the same sort of thing actually we're tapping into the university market um uh, more recently whereby you know a couple of people book they really like it and they're spreading that word and before you know it you've got pretty much full occupancy um, yeah yeah and i think that's the beauty of it though isn't it that um you have the volume of of units where yeah. that can happen yeah yeah. And that's that's what one of the things I, I like about 
hotels um, and, and, and continue to enjoy about running a hotel is the economies of scale. I think that's one of the things that makes it really attractive in that, yes, there's a risk stroke reward thing here in terms of like, clearly it was a big, big investment in order to purchase and convert. But then on the flip side of that, the sort of economies of scale, the cost efficiencies you know, when we look, when we're staring down the barrel of increased energy bills and interest rates going up, um, the fact that you've got, like, I've got 17 units in one hotel, as it were, they're not really priced any differently to individual units I've got sat on their own outside mm-hmm. of a hotel. So I've got, I'm splitting my energy costs and my mortgage costs by 17 which clearly makes your break-even point much lower than it would be if you were running smaller units. But there's a there's a there's a cost reward, and it took a lot more to get into that, I guess, in the first place. Um, yeah, and I think you know, I think that that aspect of having that economies of sale, having 17 units in one thing, that also is going to help you on any exits that you might have in you know five years or whatever time. Um, because if you've got uh, you know the the hotel you've got down in. Uh, If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. university town and then you replicate that in another place and another place suddenly you've got uh, a brand and an asset that is highly saleable um you know i think that that's a it's it's another plus isn't it in in that direction yeah and that's really true actually um it's thinking of it more in terms of and i think that's where the word of mouth kicks in as well it's thinking about it more in terms of a brand and a business as opposed to just bricks and mortar and and, and as a property. I, I was recording a, an episode earlier today for the podcast with Jerry Alexander, and we were talking about um, bigger projects like this and like some of the commercial stuff that, that Jerry does, where you are changing the property to such a degree that you do limit your exits to a degree in terms of like, what someone else could do with that property. But you're quite right that actually the, the exit here is actually building a commercial proposition in terms of uh, a hospitality business, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it's putting a, a, a corporate spin, um, yeah. which you wouldn't have potentially with your buy-to-let portfolio and, and you know those sorts of things, whereas this allows you to have that. And especially, I think, with the um, apart hotel model over yeah. perhaps uh, where we started, which was a tired, you know, rundown B and B in a town. You know, I yeah. think um, if I was looking at getting, you know, further in in our our 
hospitality trade, um, it would be looking in the right locations. Um, mm. So you know, town, uh, cities like uh, you know the university town that you're in at the moment, mm. um, and actually building in in a strategic manner in that way. So I think that for me is makes a lot of sense, and that's something that we're doing um, on our commercial side, our, our pure office side as well. Um, yeah. I know we're talking about hotels and, and guest houses, mm. but um, you know that that building a brand that could at one point, you know, be of interest to pension companies or to, um, you know, to, to bigger brands that want to expand. Um, you know, I think that's really exciting as well because it, it brings in that marketing. Uh, it brings in, you know, all the commerciality and, and the operational excellence that um, yeah. I know you and I both uh, nerd out on a little bit. Yeah. And operationally, so the day-to-day, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced? Because th- th- these are, you know, as much as we're talking about being hands-off and we live a long way, these aren't the kind of properties where you can just um, set it live and let it run. You know, the, operationally, there are challenges in just the day-to-day of, you know, how do we manage a building of that size with that much activity going on? What have you seen some of the challenges in operations? I think, you know, the challenges that we have really vary as to the team that we've got in place. Mm. Um, So, you know, recently we have just um, switched over our maintenance team. So that's something that I think because, you know, we'd refurbed and we've made it all lovely and you don't get as much maintenance when it's Mm. brand new and shiny as you do as to when it's suddenly started running for a bit and you have a lot of volume of people in. So we're now getting to that point where the maintenance is ramping up compared to, you know, the last few years. Um, And actually I think that's something that it hasn't been an operational challenge yet, but I could see that without the right people in place, it would be. So the last few months we've been a little bit more reactive um, in, you know, all right, room nine needs this or whatever. Um, now we've actually um, got someone on board uh, on a more permanent basis who is doing much more preventative things. Yeah. So, you know, they are they got an eye for the industry. They've been in the industry for a long time as um, a maintenance person. And, you know, he's going around with uh, a different set of eyes to, to us and saying, right, well, we need to get this, this, this done in these bathrooms to prevent any further problems. Mm. Um, yes. So that's been amazing for us to have yeah. that. Um, that different set of eyes, that different expertise, because that could be a big operational challenge. Because when, yeah. when you've got a full hotel, um, you know, of a weekend and everywhere else is full because there's a big event going on and then your room is suddenly out of action for a maintenance problem, what do you do? Problem, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say raise maintenance because I think, it again, it taps into um, people's slightly different attitudes towards it being a hotel. Um, and my experience has been if you, if you own a holiday let or a, a service department, you can kind of play on the, you know, owner run sort of, you know, please have sympathy with me. I'll get someone over as soon as I can. You know, I, I live a long way away. And, and people, it's that whole slight sort of Airbnb culture. People are a little bit, not always, but a little bit more sympathetic. I think when it's a hotel, there's that almost that expectation that perception that they that things should be um attended to immediately and yeah. therefore having genuine rapid response maintenance and and again i think we, we're the same we've kind of fallen on our feet with a a team locally that that um certainly up to this point have been able to respond almost within the day and and i think that you know 
what you can't really do is then explain to a guest who has got an issue that, you know, well, this is my model and we don't live here and we don't have, they're not interested in that. You know, you need to be able to offer hotel level of reactivity, if you like, um, uh, you know, whilst, whilst running it remotely. So we yeah. definitely noticed a slight difference in expectations on that front. Yeah, and I think you do have to, just with the volume of rooms, I mean, you know, you've got 17 rooms in your new place. Um, you know, that's that's 17 um, toilets that can get blocked, you know, yeah. and it's it's a big task, you know, yeah. just yeah. to keep on top of it all. Um, I think one of the other operational um, quirks of yeah. our models in particular is that we rely on people to read um, or listen to information as to how not a big to, ask is it but not a big ask as you'd say you know how to access <laughs> <laughs> and, and i know that i mean you know reading um or you know listening to other people uh, within the hospitality trade and sa trade um where they there isn't a permanent person on site to say here's your key turn it to the right mm. and you'll open a door um, you know, that is one of the biggest frustrations, isn't it? You can send a code to someone six times in six different ways and they'll ring you and go, well, what's what? How do I get in? And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. did you read now? Did you read the text? Did you, you know, receive the carrier pigeon and, and all of those? Yeah, exactly. things? You're probably the same. Like we are constantly like evolving that as well and trying different things and experimenting to the point where and this this sounds ridiculous, but to the point where we've recently changed the subject line in the email that goes out, which says access information, we've changed it to door codes because it, it has to be that kind of explicit because we get loads of people say, I haven't, got, I haven't been sent the door code. It's in your it's in your access information email. All oh, right, I didn't, didn't read that. Yeah. You know, so we're having to be as explicit as you can because and, – and that – Access, I've, I've written it down actually to, to bring up access is actually one of the things that scares me the most because it's, it's you know, if someone literally is stood there for whatever reason, they've got themselves in a flummox and they can't, they can't access the information, they can't get into the property. Um, that, that's one of the things that's really hard to deal with remotely. Um, and often emotions are running high, they've checked in late, uh, I don't know, the phone's battery's died. And it's thinking about all those eventualities, isn't it, with your communication to think, how can I cover off all these bases, uh, all the what ifs to make sure that that's as seamless as possible. But like you say, if people just don't read things, it's. Yeah, I think in their defense, um, you know, you know yourself when you've booked something and you may have used a channel manager so you, or an OTA. So you may have used Booking.com or Airbnb or, or Expedia you get a bunch of emails from them yep. going on about stuff that, you know, yep. you've booked this and this, that and the other. Then you get a bunch of emails from the actual um, accommodation provider. Yeah. And so for a one night stay somewhere, potentially, you might get six emails. Yeah. It's like, oh, which ones are important? Because I don't have the time to read all of them. So we yeah. are kind of fighting um, with, you know, the messages that some of the OTAs put out as well because there is too much information given out. So yeah. how do you make yours stand out? And I think yeah. that's one, that's probably one of the, and there's no easy answer. I don't think there is an answer because yeah. everyone is different. Everyone perceives information in different ways. Some yeah. people like to read it. Some people like to see it. There's a picture. Some might like a video. Yeah. You know, it's all different, isn't it? 
And with the best drill in the world, it's still going to happen. Uh, and it's how you respond to it. I'll, I'll tell you a really funny story we had a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had, um, I, I, I put my phone down for a while, stupidly, and uh, came back to it. And there was a, uh, a flurry of mess- panicked messages from a guest. The door code's not working. I can't get in, da, 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 all this sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, no. Anyway, I was trying to sort of um, deal with it through messages. I think, I can't remember, I was uh, doing something else at the time and I was I was trying to just make sure that, that this was as idiot-proof as possible. Have you used this code, da, da, da. Anyway, clearly, it was a husband and wife duo and the the, the husband was messaging me and the wife was messaging me i think to airbnb as well like separately and um in her message she mentioned um i forget the numbers but she you know she said uh, apartment i'm struggling i can't get into apartment five i was like five i was like pretty sure you're in three i'm sure the other message said three so i obviously checked and i said ah oh, that's what it is you know you're in you're in three which is like like you said it, it happens like i can understand that you've gone to the wrong apartment but then i looked on the channel they'd been there for two days this wasn't them turning up for the start of the booking and, and trying to get into the wrong door. They were trying to get into the wrong apartment, having stayed in the right apartment for two days already. Oh. I mean, that just blows my mind. <laughs> had, they, uh, had they been down at the local uh, pub? Yeah, quite possibly. But, oh, yeah. So, I yeah, mean, so, we do get a lot of that as well. You know, people um, having enjoyed themselves quite a lot yeah. in the local um, yeah pubs and restaurants yeah uh you know you you you'll get calls or or the team will get calls of um yeah can't remember the code give them the code but they're brain addled yeah put it in uh you know there's 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 not always helping people is there i guess so the other thing that you and i've talked a lot about um obviously going through this this process is fire um and and for me that's been operationally i think I probably underestimated um, the, the 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 sort of infrastructure we would need around that in terms of fire safety because we're all you know you you and I are both invested in HMOs so we're familiar with um, enhanced fire safety panel alarm systems and you know I think we probably look at that from a an investor's point of view and we assign a budget to it and you know we we get a local we get a, a fire consultant in to tell us exactly what we need and that and that really is as much as we we're involved in the process you know we just go well that's going to be more expensive than it was on the last one but it's actually the operational aspects here of being three hours four hours five hours away makes you irrelevant with regards to fire response and certainly for us having 70 as having an unstaffed unmanned facility with 17 kitchens in it makes us about the most worst case scenario for the fire authority that there can possibly be so how can we convince them and ourselves that we've got a response network and a response system that can deal with both false alarms um, and also you know genuine emergencies in a way that will preserve life and if there's anything that's going to keep me awake at night it's it's fire safety so we found that's been a big challenge a big challenge yeah and and i think it's one that will constantly um be a challenge and and evolve with your your unit um, your units as well you know and it and it is one of the biggest things you know we're we're looking at um our latest commercial building and you know, one of the first things that that we're doing is bringing that that fire safety expert in 
yeah. at the very beginning for the design, yeah. which is something you did, um, you know, through the the apart hotel as well. And yeah. yes, it costs a lot of money, um, but at least the infrastructure, the system, the design yeah. is with the end in mind. Yeah, I'd say, to be honest, I'd say we brought them in um, midway through, actually, and I would definitely, that's my biggest learning, is I would, that they're almost like, almost in conjunction with the architect, they'd be the first person that I would I would bring in. Well, I think, actually, that's the reason why we're doing it on our, our yeah. latest commercial, because I watched you go through the process yeah. um, and thought, right, well, you know, <laughs> learn from yeah. others' mistakes, which is yeah. sort of the power of, a, of the Property World System Network, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and we have brought them in right at yeah. that architect stage. I mean, we caught it early enough, but inevitably there was some redrawing of plans and that sort of thing, just because, you know, um, yeah, uh, sort of with that group of um, stakeholders, so you've got your architect who clearly wants to steer things from a design perspective. You've then got your fire consultant who's only got one agenda. You've then got the building control who sort of sits kind of, as the ultimate authority, all of that, but we'll defer to the fire authority on all the fire issues. And it's pulling all those stakeholders together, realizing what they all need out of the project. That that was that was one of the biggest challenges in the setup of it. But operationally, yeah, it's just making sure that we've got a team, like we've got great systems, but equally you're gonna need a physical team around it to deal with some of the things that come up day to day. Yeah. And I think but that that comes back to everything when you're working on a remote well, you're when you're remotely from your business that you do. You can't do it alone. You need people on on the street at your place, um, you know, that are nearby, that, that are able to understand the building, the business. And you do rely on an expert team. Yeah, we we, we one of the things we I mentioned it right at the beginning, one of the things that we missed i would say in our planning of this uh property of the hotel because we're so sort of i don't think we overdeveloped the site i'm quite pleased with that actually there were ways that we could have taken away some like almost like nice communal landing space that makes it all feel very light and airy we could easily have pulled that in, into more units and but i think that would have made it feel quite pokey and a bit of a rabbit warren and that isn't what we wanted having said that one of the things that I think was missed was luggage storage. And we didn't know we'd missed that until suddenly you realize that, you know, with the focus on creative living space, actually people are turning up with these whacking great suitcases and with nowhere to store them. And that actually, in hindsight, it, or at least, you know, we are now racking our brains to think, how can we actually provide a solution to that? Um you know, that's, that's, think, that's yeah. Great. You know what? Well, that that's um, we're literally thinking about that at the moment. Not in terms of the storage of of luggage, but um, for linen storage at ours, um, yeah. because you know we thought we had enough room around in various places, and on paper we do, and it is working. It's been okay, mm. um, but then you know linen suppliers have changed. The way that it gets delivered gets slightly changed, uh, and now if I could get another room at ground level where, um, you know, I could have that as my, as my permanent linen and then it mo moves mm. around because we're a, um, a mid store, mid um, terrace, big townhouse. So we've got lots of stairs, yeah. you know, that, 
one of the things, but you don't know until you're in the mix of it. Um, yeah. You can bring those learnings with you to the next project. But yeah. I think storage is actually underestimated yeah. um, in a lot of essays as well as um, yeah. The hotels. Yeah. And mail, mail deliveries is another one in that, Technically speaking, we try to uh, discourage people having mail posted to them because really the whole thing about service accommodation is they should and do have a registered permanent address elsewhere. That's what that's what makes it service accommodation and short stay accommodation. But at the end of the day, again, whether or not people read stuff or what have you, but someone orders something off Amazon uh, and once it get there, they're there for four or five weeks. And that is our avatar. We're trying to get longer stays, people staying for work. Um, and, you know, you get a message saying, uh, you know, I've had some mail delivered. Can 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 you get it for me or can I access it? And we're like, well, no, not really. We've got a private mailbox and our cleaner will be there on Monday. So, it's it, again, it's like logistics of how do we – I don't want to encourage people to get their mail sent there, but equally that is a pr- – that. I'd say that probably comes up four or five times a week at the moment is yeah. that we get people saying I've had mail delivered and how do I get them access to some sort of communal mailbox without them having access to everybody else's post. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's little thing. And hopefully like for anyone thinking about this strategy, you know, this is, this is exactly the stuff I wanted to get into today is like the nitty gritty of running a hotel. Like yeah. I think we've we've covered off quite a few times and various things on the podcast and Facebook lives and stuff about the concept and the the investor side of it. But what 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 goes into running a hotel remotely, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And you know it it but the things I love about it, um, because you know we're kind of talking about some of the, the challenges. Um the things that are great, it is especially for us being tourist avatar, is yeah. the feedback you get. So the feedback's amazing. You know, when you get someone that's had an amazing time and they come back time and time again, it kind of makes you feel a little bit warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? That, you know, something that you're providing is ticking boxes for someone else yeah. in such a way that they keep coming back for it. Yeah. Um, I love that, that kind of yeah. instant gratification of I'm doing a good thing um, and, you know, I'm making people happy in that. Yeah. And ultimately, that's our or one of our our biggest measures, isn't it? Our biggest KPIs, if you like, is um, is is guest reviews. So um, yeah, and I think you know there is, it is easier. Well, it could work both ways, couldn't it? I guess, but it is easier to develop some brand loyalty around um, something like a hotel. Um, but it could also work against you, couldn't it? That if people start stay, steering clear um then that might create some issues further down the line so so offering that kind of guest experience is absolutely crucial isn't it yeah i mean i i know that um i think you do this as well at yours you know all the little extras that you can do so you know something that we've had a lot more over this summer i think than than any other time where um you know people are, are coming for anniversaries or for birthdays um or, or you know even for sort of sadder reasons as funerals um and you know we we create little experiences around those things. So something you know, with anniversaries, with birthdays, and you know, mm. we allow people to have pamper packages, and we will go and you know, um, make a, a fuss of the room and make it look beautiful for them. And there'll be you know, little extras and goodies in there that is paid for by them. You know, they set us a budget, and and we go away and, and do that for them. Uh, but people that you know, if we know they're at the funerals, you know, we'll put a bunch of of 
flowers in the room for them and a little card just to say think thinking of you and all that sort of stuff and I think yeah. it's those little touches isn't it that yeah. kind of make a big difference to people yeah and and that's the way to get the best of both worlds isn't it because actually I think that they're well I, I know from from you know experience and track record that there is not everybody wants an owner at, at the property fussing around them and they want to be able to just check in when they feel like it and not meet someone for the keys and, you know, come and go as they please. They want that. But to be able to also then take all the good bits out of that personal service and still have that, you know, yeah. that you offer that personal touch that you're, you're pretty responsive to when they need something, you know, that's, that's, I quite enjoy that challenge if you like of being able to like, systemize the the personalized side of things yeah do you know one of the things that we did um it was actually uh rick um, my husband he was buying i think bike stickers or something uh and he um was on a website and it had a whatsapp chat via the website and um he was tapping away through that and you know the guy's WhatsApp him straight back it made him feel special that he was getting immediate response and all that sort of stuff and it's something we put onto our website straight afterwards really and you know it's it is that instant response of someone um responding to someone's query uh you know whatever it could be um yeah, yeah. even in a standardized way but you know it's that little personalized but being a system as well and that's yeah. something that, you know I think has worked really well for us is having that WhatsApp chat on the website and that's really something that we try and train our team into. So our, so the team that are sometimes responsible for delivering the hands-on aspect, whether it's cleaners, housekeeping manager, whatever it might be, is that an issue that, that just change your mindset, like an, a, an issue that has arisen is a potential, an opportunity to create a really good review, which sounds weird because you, you know, you think, oh my God, something's gone wrong. Oh, we're, we're heading for a shocking review. But actually, if you handle it right, that and the number of times that, you know, sometimes it does still result in a in a crappy comment in a review. That's just inevitable. That's the game. But um, we have countless times been able to respond quickly, effectively, and therefore the review you get is, yeah, I had a couple of issues, but hosts were amazing. The way they dealt with it, you know, can't re recommend them highly enough. So and you've also, actually, I think those reviews, you might not have even got a review from that type of person, um, yeah. but they've been compelled to give you a review because of some of the issues that have come across that, that have been resolved well. Like, see that as an opportunity to kick into action, and here's an opportunity to score a really good review here kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, um, no, I, I think, think that's... So I think one of the other the operational challenges that, that we get uh, is cancellation policies. I don't know yeah. how, you know, you guys um, deal with this. And I think it's it's always different. We have, you know, set cancellation policies. We have different pricing dependent on our policies. And yet you will get people who, because you are a small business and they know that you're not, you know, Hilton or Premier Inn um, and a corporate, they will try and tug on your heartstrings of, oh, but, you know, I've been so sick and all this has happened and and please can I have a refund even though it's the day of travel and, you know, cancellation yeah. is cancellation policy. And um, it's just a, an observation that I've had that, um, you know, I get, I get so many people expecting us to do it because we're a small family business 
Yeah. Whereas they would not expect the Premier in. Well, they wouldn't even have someone to talk to unless they turned up there. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, it's a, it, it, they just wouldn't expect it from a big corporate provider, but they yeah. expect it from a small provider. Um, so it's just an observation, I think, and it's something that you've, you've got to have a, um, a set standard on it and you've got to stick to your standard, I guess. It's really funny you say that. Literally, this has come up in the last couple of days, actually in one of our service departments, not in the hotel, but um, the, 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 the message is still the same. That I think they either try and pull on the heartstrings or if it's like a, a corporate booker or, or a company that's booking, they, they, try and, they try and pull their weight and, and lean on you a little bit, you know, almost assuming that you don't have those systems in place. You know, yeah. because we've had that. We've had a long um, booking, like Monday to Thursday booking that was due to run right to the end of November. And then they've literally said, right, we're done on Friday. And mm-hmm. basically, I don't expect to get another invoice. I'm done on Friday. That's it. We're like, well, OK, you know, that that means our calendar has been blocked for X amount of time. It's going to take us a while to get that all back out and marketed and, and what have you. So, you know, explaining all this very politely, you know, according to our terms and conditions, we, you know, for longer bookings, we have a two week notice period, which is pretty generous, actually, with, you know, we only extend that because they're a corporate company. You know, strictly speaking, our terms and conditions say they should have to pay for the whole booking. Because yeah. um, it's in duration, but we say, look, we understand plans change. We, you know, it's part of our corporate package, if you like, is that we'll give you a two-week notice period, but we do need that time to remarket it. And you know, the res- and, and you always know what the response is going to be is like, right, show me those terms and conditions. We need to see da da da. And because we've got our systems in place, I can show you where you ticked our terms and conditions, where you signed our online check-in. This is the date that this happened. Here's a copy of the terms. You know, so it actually is like understanding how you can protect yourself as a, as a as a small operator and the systems you need to make sure that people can't walk all over you. Yeah, and 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 the way that you feed all of that back, isn't it? So it's yeah. um it's the language you use to, to politely decline their request for. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah um but no i think that's really good i think um what i wanted to try and give to people and i know you and i could you know talk about this all day long because it's uh it's been a massive learning curve i think you know operating a hotel um as opposed to um you know as as a scaled up version of service accommodation and obviously as a as a more hands-on uh to a certain extent hands-on strategy than hmos for example or or other residential lets so Hopefully people have got a bit of a flavor for some of the kind of challenges and the, um, the, the day-to-day kind of experience of, of, of running a hotel and what that looks like. But um, who knows, maybe we'll feel differently a year or two down the line and <laughs> it still feels all quite fresh and, and quite exciting. But, um, yeah. but I think all in all for us, certainly, it's been, it's been a positive experience and uh, I'm, I'm excited about other opportunities to do something similar. And I think we will learn a lot from this first one um, that we can then roll on to subsequent projects. Yes, absolutely. No, it's a, it's a good industry. Um, and I think there's lots of fun to be had in it. Um, you know, despite all the, the little challenges that pop along. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for your time. Always, always good to chat and catch up, but it's great to get your insight as well into the whole world of hotels. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, Mark. Take care. I'll speak to you soon. Bye.
It's always a pleasure to catch up with Sarah and share our respective war stories. Sarah and her husband Rick have been in the hotel game even longer than we have and that's the key to taking on bigger projects and more advanced strategies. Surround yourself with people that have been there and done that and can help you to avoid some of the pitfalls along the way. If you're just starting out on your property adventure, then why not head on over to the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook and connect with not one, but thousands of other like-minded people who are actively investing in the UK property market and sharing projects, insight and questions as they go. It's a great place to start. You will also want to check out the Property Wealth System channel on YouTube. Just search Property Wealth System and hit subscribe so that you never miss an update. Of course, don't forget to like and follow the podcast. Thanks for listening and congratulations again to James Milet, the winner of our amazing centenary episode competition. I will catch you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.